between a rock and a hard place? Are you not sure if you're a sinner or a saint? Do you think you've lost your salvation? Let me take you to the New King James Version. In the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, and Jesus says, What do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine and go to the mountains to seek the one that is strained? And if he should find it, assuredly, I say to you, he rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. Welcome to Save the Lost at All Costs. Hosted by Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. Featuring your sister in Christ and humble servant of the Lord, Nina S. Griffin. Good afternoon. You're listening to Sister Nina S. Griffin, and we are on Save the Lost at All Costs. We're going to open up the phone lines right away. If you are local, you will dial 702-650-5588 to join in on our discussion today. Again, 702-650-5588. If you're calling outside the Las Vegas area, we do have a toll-free number for you to join in. That would be 800-366-8883. Again, 800-366-8883. We are being streamed live from KKVV's website, which is www.kkvv.com. Hello and God bless. I just wave to you. If you have missed any of our previous broadcasts, you can go to our website, Save the Lost at All Costs, www.savethelostlv.org. Look up the week or the lesson that you want to Listen to, and the gospel is always free on our watch. Select it, our weekly archives, and it will come up. So I encourage you to spend some time on our website. We have a lot of wonderful resources, and tell somebody about it. Also, if you have an Apple device, we are being archived on iTunes. And, um, again, the gospel is free on our watch. So we're in a four-part series on faith, and we are in the third part of the four-part series. And so I found a wonderful lesson on uh, beliefnet.com. It's a wonderful website that helps you stay encouraged uh, with your walk with the Lord. And I found a lesson about faith that I wanted to share with you. And our topic today, eight things you should start doing when your faith is tested. Again, eight things you should start doing when your faith is tested. So I want to tell you a little bit about the person who wrote this because we need to give credit where credit is due. And so uh, the person who wrote this, her name is Leslie White. She's a graduate of Virginia Commonwealth with a bachelor's degree in mass communications and a concentration in print and online journalism. In college, she took a number of religious study courses and harnessed her talent for storytelling. White has a rich faith background. Her father, a Lutheran pastor and life coach, was a big influence in her faith life helping her to see the value of sharing the message of Christ with others. She has served in the church from an early age. Some of those roles include assisting ministry, mutual ministry, worship, and music ministry, and church council. So God bless Sister Leslie White. So we are going to get into, again, eight things you should start doing when your faith is tested. Our Faith Can Move Mountains by Leslie White. And we're going to start off with the quote. And then when I end the quote, then we have finished with what she has presented to us. So sit back, relax, get blessed, 
And uh, let's get into it. Quote, one of the biggest challenges we faced on our spiritual journey is completely trusting God's will, especially when our faith is being tested. A huge sign that you're questioning your faith is when you begin to wrestle with Jesus. This is often a result of our disappointment in our lives based on our experiences and expectations. While we can't avoid disappointment, we are told through scripture to trust in Jesus and his promises for us. If you are dealing with a disappointment right now, remember you can rely on Jesus. When we recognize God's goodness, even in our daily struggles and disappointments, then we can really know God. Here are eight things you should start doing when your faith is tested. Seek the Lord's guidance. When your faith is being tested, you should seek the Lord's guidance in prayer and through His Word, the Bible. Many times when something happens Praying and learning what God is saying about our situation is the last thing we want to do. But it is the most important thing we can do. We often try to solve the problem ourselves or seek someone else's direction. And then when things get worse, we try to include God in our situation. We will even get upset with him for not showing up when we never included him in our problems in the first place. When we take the time to pray, we get connected with God. And not only can we receive strength, but we can receive words of wisdom, encouragement, and direction from God. This can also be done by reading scripture. Be strong and of good courage. When our faith is being tested, it's important that we're strong and of good courage, as the Bible instructs. One of the primary themes of the book of Joshua is be strong and of good courage. Joshua chapter 1, verses 6, 7, 9, and 18. When the book of Numbers shows that Israel lacked faith to enter the land of Canaan, God inspired Joshua with courage and faith to lead Israel to meet the enemy face to face, trusting God to give them the victory. One of the twelve men selected to spy out the land of Canaan, only Joshua and Caleb brought favorable report, while the other ten spies focused on Canaanite giants and cities with strongly fortified walls. Joshua and Caleb focused their minds on the power of God to fulfill his promises. Joshua was truly a great biblical leader. Start praising and worshiping God. When our faith is being tested at times, praising God may not be the easiest thing to do, as all we can think about is what we are facing. But the best time to start worshiping and praising God is when your faith is being tested. Praise and worship serves as a form of therapy that somehow comforts you in your situation. Remember that God gives us victory over the problems we face. 
Joshua is a biblical figure who showed living faith towards God and gained victory against overwhelming odds. The lesson from Jericho, recorded in Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 through 27, helps us understand how God wants to give us victory over the problems that we face. While most of us have heard about Jericho, few of us have put the principle shown to work in our lives. We all deal with issues every day of our lives. Depression, loneliness, addiction, defeat, and despair are just a few to name. Jericho Jericho stands for all those things that we can't get victory over on our own, but will hurt others and eventually destroy us if we don't. These are the things we hide in our lives. Our fears, defeats, anxieties, and outright deceit. God knows there's only one solution. Lead them into battle against them. Be around those who will uplift you. When your faith is being tested, it's important that you're around people that will encourage your faith. Surround yourself with prayer warriors. These people will bring your situation before the Lord constantly. Through their prayers, the Lord will send help and give you the strength to endure. At his timing, he will work everything out according to his perfect will. When your faith is being tested, this is the time to be in dialogue with friends and family that know how to bring your situation before the Lord and help you through by guiding and comforting you. Trust God. When we focus our minds in the direction of God and proclaim his goodness, We reflect His glory. When we do this, we are filled with peace and contentment. This can help shift our outlook related to our circumstances. Finding God in the hard times can be particularly difficult. That's why it's so important to choose trust and hope when you can't see the way. Even when you feel like you've lost all trust, Turning to God will help you in your time of need as you will have hope. Hope will give you the strength to rise above your situation. Fast. This is probably one of the last things you think of doing when your faith is tested. But it can be incredibly helpful. When we need to hear from God quickly and we desire answers directly, And expeditiously, we must fast and pray. God honors the sacrifice and obedience of fasting. When we fast, our spirit lets go of the things of the world and becomes very sensitive to God's perspective. This ultimately releases God's power. When we do this, we put God on notice that our desires for him is greater than our desire for anything else. Have faith. When your faith is tested, one of the best things you can do is have faith in God's promises. 
God loves and cares about you deeply. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things, excuse me, Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of thing hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. God has so much for us that we just don't have the ability to comprehend. Scripture reminds us that our faith can move mountains. Matthew 17 verse 20. We are reminded in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 5 that our faith should not be in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Our Heavenly Father knows our ending from our beginning which is why He encourages us to just have faith in Him and believe that all things are possible. When we can trust God and have faith in Him and His Word, we can genuinely praise God because we know that He is working it out for good. There's probably a good chance that at some point this year, you will be facing a very difficult circumstance. You may be up against what seems too hard to do, or maybe even impossible. But in spite of all that you may face, the same God who parted the Jordan for Israel cares just as deeply about you and me. Remember this when your faith is being tested. End quote. So I'm going to go over the eight things you should start doing when your faith is tested, and then we're going to move along. Number one, seek the Lord's guidance. Number two, be strong and of good courage. Number three, start praising and worshiping God. Number four, remember that God gives us victory over the problems we face. Number five, be around those who will uplift you. Number six, trust God. Number seven, fast. And number eight, have faith. So, it mentioned about the lesson of the people recorded about Jericho. So we are going to go to Joshua 6. And we're going to look about that. Okay. So let's look around and look about that. And see what's going on. So Joshua chapter 6. That's where we're going to go. And I am in the New King James Version. So. Let's get started. Joshua. Chapter 6, verse 1, and the Word of God says this, Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. Verse 2, And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and the mighty men of valor. 3, You shall march around the city, all you men of war, you shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. Four. 
and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. Verse 5, it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, then the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. 6. Then Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant, and let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Ark of the Lord. 7. And he said to the people, Proceed and march around the city, and let him who is armed advance before the ark of the Lord. 8. So it was when Joshua had spoken to the people that the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the Lord advanced and blew the trumpets, and the ark of the covenant of the Lord followed them. 9. The armed men went before the priests who blew the trumpet, and the rear guard came after the ark, while the priest continued blowing the trumpet. 10. Now Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You should not shout or make any noise with your voice, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day I say to you, Shout! Then you shall shout. 11. So he had the ark of the Lord circle the city, going around it once. Then they came into the camp and lodged in the camp. 12. Joshua rose early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. 13. Then seven priests, bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord, went on continually and blew with the trumpets, and the armed men went before them. But the rear guard came after the ark of the Lord, while the priests continued blowing the trumpets. 14. And the second day they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. So they did six days. 15. But it came to pass on the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. On that day, only they marched around the city seven times. Sixteen, and the seventh time, it happened. When the priests blew the trumpets, that Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Seventeen, now the city shall be doomed by the Lord to destruction. It and all who are in it, only Rahab the harlot, shall live, she and all who are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. 18. And you by all means abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed. When you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. 19. But all the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. 20. 
So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound of the trumpet and the people shouted with a great shout and the wall fell down flat. Then the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. 21, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. 22, but Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house. And from there, bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. 23. And the young men went. Again, 23. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. So they brought out all her relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. 24. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire. Only the silver and gold and the vessels of bronze and iron they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. 25. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day. Because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. 26. Then Joshua charged them at the time saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord who rises up and builds this city Jericho. He shall lay its foundation with his firstborn and with his youngest he shall set up its gates. 27. So the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout all the country. So let's look and see what our commentary says so that we can get a better understanding about what we just read. It says the city of Jericho built thousands of years before Joshua was born was one of the oldest cities in the world. In some places, it had fortified walls up to 25 feet high and 20 feet thick. Soldiers standing guard on top of the walls could see for miles. Jericho was a symbol of military power and strength. The Canaanites considered it invincible. Israel would attack the city first, and its destruction would put the fear of Israel into the heart of every person in Canaan. The Canaanites saw Israel's God as a nature God because he parted the Jordan and as a war God because he defeated Sihon and Og. But the Canaanites did not consider him a fortress God, one who could prevail against a walled city. The defeat of Jericho shows not only that Israel's God was superior to the Canaanite gods, but also he was invincible. God told Joshua that Jericho was already delivered into his hands. The enemy was already defeated. What confidence Joshua must have had as he went into battle. Christians also fight against a defeated enemy. Our enemy, Satan, has been defeated by Christ. 
We find this in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, and 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. Although we still fight battles every day and sin runs rampant in the world, we have the assurance that the war has already been won. We do not have to be paralyzed by the power of a defeated enemy. We can overcome him through Christ's power. Why did God give Joshua all these complicated instructions for the battle? Several answers are possible. Number one, God was making it undeniably clear that the battle would depend upon him and not upon Israel's weapons and expertise. This is why priests carry the ark, not soldiers, led the Israelites into battle. Two, God's method of taking the city accentuated the terror already felt in Jericho. Three, this strange military maneuver was a test of the Israelites' faith and their willingness to follow God completely. The blowing of the horns had a special significance. They had been instructed to blow the same horns used in the religious festivals in their battles to remind them that their victory would come from the Lord and not other, excuse me, and not their own military might. It also, excuse me, it must have seemed strange to the Israelites that instead of going into battle, they were going to march around the city for a week. But then, no, but this was God's plan and the Israelites had a guaranteed victory if they would follow it. As strange as the plan sounded, it worked. God's instructions may require you to do things that don't make sense at first. Even as you follow him, you may wonder how things can possibly work out. Like the Israelites, take one day at a time and follow step by step. You may not see the logic of God's plan until after you have obeyed. Why did God demand the Israelites destroy almost everyone and everything in Jericho? He was carrying out severe judgment against the wickedness of the Canaanites. The judgment or ban usually requires that everything be destroyed. We find this in Deuteronomy chapter 12 verses 2 and 3, 13 and also 12 through 18. Because of their evil practices and intense idolatry, the Canaanites were a stronghold of rebellion against God. This threat to the right kind of living that God required had to be removed. If not, it would affect all Israel like a cancerous growth, as it did in the sad story told in the book of Judges. A few people and some items in Jericho were not destroyed, but these were special cases. Rahab and her household were saved because she had faith in God and because she helped the Israelite spies. The silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron were kept not to enrich the people, but to beautify the tabernacle and its services. 
God's purpose in all this was to keep the people's faith and religion uncontaminated. He did not want the plunder to remind Israel of Canaanite practices. God also wants us to be pure. He wants us to clean up our behavior when we begin a new life with him. We must not let the desire for personal gain distract us from our spiritual purpose. We must also reject any objects that are reminders of a life of rebellion against God. In return for information, Joshua's spies had promised to protect Rahab and her family from the battle. Rahab had kept her part of the promise, and Joshua took time from the battle to tell the spies to keep their part. The curse was fulfilled in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 34, when a man, Hael, rebuilt Jericho and consequently lost his oldest and youngest sons. Very fascinating. A great lesson. Jericho. And sometimes we feel that the things that we face are fortified. Just impossible to get over, to get around, to get through. But if we get nothing else out of that particular chapter... Remember, God led them. When God is leading you, there's no battle that can't be won. So we need to be able to keep that in our spirit. Is God leading you in the battle? Are you allowing yourself to be led? Sometimes, men and women of God... In order for us to be victorious in the battle. We have to remove ourselves. In the front position. And allow God to take us through. Because when we do that. Then we will be victorious. Because the victory is already God's. There's nothing that can defeat him. And there's nothing that can defeat our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Remember, he overcame death. And we are great beneficiaries of his resurrection. Because without him, where would we be? It's a beautiful lesson. So let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 8. And I want us to look at verse 2. And let's look at verse 1. Let's look at verse 1 and 2. Verse 1, again, we're in Deuteronomy chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 1 and 2. Verse 1, the Word of God says this, Every commandment 
which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers too. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. A lot of people say, why am I being tested? Well, this is a good answer right here. When we look at verse 2, I'm going to read it again. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. A lot of times, we need to see where we are. We need to be able to check our heart spiritually. Because we could be veering off in a direction that's not pleasing to God and could ultimately have us separated from Him. It's just utterly painful and devastating for men and women of God to stray to the point where they're separated. Then we have lived our whole life for what? To not to receive the promise of salvation? To not partake in the gift of everlasting life? That would be devastating. So, be open to the fact that God knows everything. It begins and ends with Him. There's nothing that He's not aware of. And our heart has to be right. For us to be in fellowship with Him. Because the relationship is everlasting. So if there's something that needs to be corrected as far as what's deep in our heart, then please be grateful and thankful that God is showing us how to remove a barrier between Him and us. We should not want anything that would be a barrier or a stumbling block. Fellowship with God is intimate and personal. And we should make sure there's nothing that's preventing that to occur and to happen. Because that's what transforms us. And that's what allows us to be a blessing not only to ourselves, but anything that we come in contact with. We were made 
in his glory. And our hearts should reflect that. The next scripture we're going to go to is Psalm 139 verse 23. So I'm getting over there. Again, Psalm 139 and we're going to go to verse 23. And the word of God says this, verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And let's look at verse 24 and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. It's just another build upon Deuteronomy chapter Eight, you know, verses one and two. Again, verse 23, it says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. Verse 24, and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a powerful prayer. It's a powerful request. Of King David. How necessary. Is it to make sure. That we have the right. Heart condition. It's a very passionate plea. But very necessary. We are getting ready to embark into a new year. And a new season. This is great spiritual checkup right here. Because if surgery is needed, if medicine is needed, if therapy is needed, this is what we want. Because God is the master physician. He will be the one doing the healing. He will be the one bringing about the deliverance. Oh, you should be very excited to know that your creator will be doing any surgery that is needed upon his creation. We did not create ourselves. This is revelatory. This should be a prayer that you should want to lift up to God in all sincerity. I believe you will be so much better for it. And you will be able to proceed in the progressive sanctification that our Heavenly Father has in store for you. So let's look and see what the commentary says about these two verses. David asked God to search for sin and point it out, even to the level of testing his thoughts. This is exploratory surgery for sin. How are we to recognize sin unless God points it out? 
then when God shows us, we can repent and be forgiven. Make this verse your prayer. If you ask the Lord to search your heart and your thoughts and to reveal your sin, you will be continuing in God's everlasting way. I promise you, I didn't look at the commentary before the Spirit was speaking through me, but it is lining up. I thank you, Lord. I thank you. This is really, really, like I said, revelatory. This is a prayer that can have you come from a moth and you can want to get into a point where I can go into a cocoon if you will and when I go into a cocoon I can come out as a butterfly you know a caterpillar changes into a butterfly and once a butterfly it does not change back into a caterpillar so think about that and we can imagine and we have seen butterflies and how delicate and beautiful and vibrant and they are and they are going from height to height But they started off as caterpillars. But there was this time when they had to get into a cocoon. Because their real identity was a butterfly. Always. It's a new day. It's a new season, men and women of God. This prayer can really elevate you in your relationship and your walk with God. But understand, it's the Lord who will be pointing things out to you. And if he's with you and pointing it out to you, then he will definitely be the one. That would guide you in the removal. So, we don't have to get used to something. We don't have to be satisfied. Because we need to trust in God's word. That he has started a great work in us. And he will perfect us. But it's so wonderful when you understand and willing and seeking this to happen. Don't fight it. Be blessed that the Lord wants to do it. It's another opportunity for you to be a part of his plan, his will and his purpose. That's a great blessing to have. Another day to see God work 
His promises in and through you. And magnifying His glory in that that He's begun. It will be fine. Because you are in good hands, the best hands that you could ever be in when you're in the hand of the Lord. We're going to look at James chapter 12. Let's go over to the book of James. I'm getting over there. So, James chapter 12. Let's look at that. There is no James chapter 12. I wrote down my information wrong, so please forgive me. Let me see what I have here. So, I will find this. All right. So, let's look a little bit more. I appreciate your patience. All right. So, let's look at James chapter 5, and let's go to verse 19. We're in James chapter 5. And we're going to look at verse 19. And the Word of God says this. And 20. Again, James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. The Word of God says this, verse 19. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth... And someone turns him back. 20. Let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. So I want to share with you what the commentary says. Clearly, this person who has wandered from the truth is a believer who has fallen into sin. One who is no longer living a life consistent with his or her beliefs. Christians disagree over whether or not it's possible for people to lose their salvation. But all agree that those who fall away from their faith are in serious trouble and need to repent. James urges Christians to help backsliders return to God. By taking the initiative, praying for the person and acting in love, we can keep the person where he or she is and bring him or her back to God and his forgiveness. The book of James emphasizes faith and action. 
Right living is the evidence and result of faith. The church must serve with compassion, speak lovingly and truthfully, live in obedience to God's commands, and love one another. The body of believers ought to be an example of heaven on earth, drawing people to Christ through love for God and each other. If we truly believe God's word, we will live it day by day. God's word is not merely something we read or think about, but something we do. Belief, faith, and trust must have hands and feet ours. So we've been talking about what to do when our faith has been tested. And it will happen. And we should welcome our faith being tested. It draws us closer to our Heavenly Father. It reminds us of how faithful our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was. We can really appreciate those biblical figures that are in the Bible and what they went through. And how important it was to be obedient. Even when things didn't look well. Even unto death. Because the Lord is always with his people. And we have a great opportunity to be in a relationship and to renew our relationship for those of us who have been struggling to reconnect. Our Heavenly Father is an intentional God. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He qualified it, and he said it was good. So men and women of God, if your faith is being tested, it's a good thing. Because it's impossible to please God without faith. And it has a lot to do with our heart condition. And sometimes spiritual surgery will have to Happen. But you have the confidence in knowing that it's our Heavenly Father who is pointing out our sin to us. And that we have a great opportunity in a season called now to address it. The beautiful prayers that are available to us. Especially the one that we looked at in Psalm 139 and we looked at verse 23 and 24. Excellent. 
we humble ourselves and trust God. The Bible is evidence upon evidence upon evidence that we are connected to the living God, the most high God in all creation, heaven and earth, who sent his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, to secure the gift of salvation, which was already ours. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is the example of faith personified. We are in excellent care. And there's nothing wrong with your faith being tested. It's great therapy. Great spiritual medicine. We want to be spiritually healthy as kingdom warriors. We want to be spiritual healthy as sons and daughters. We want to be spiritually healthy as ministers and pastors and evangelists and servants of the Most High God. We want to be spiritually healthy as mothers and fathers, grandparents. We want to be spiritually healthy as neighbors, as community partners. We want to be spiritually healthy in our workplace and in our worship place. We want to be spiritually healthy in our walk and our talk. And for that to happen, faith will be tested. Be blessed when it is. We love you. God bless you. And as we say here, save the lost at all costs. It is our humble prayer that the Most High God of all creation and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ continues to bless you and yours without cease for tuning in today and supporting this great move of God with your generous donations. Save the Lost at All Costs is a Holy Spirit filled, live called in weekly radio ministry that has been airing since 2005 and serving in the greater Las Vegas community. We can be heard every Sunday at 3.02 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Las Vegas. Vegas's very own Christian Talk radio stations, 1060 AM and 100.1 FM. Also, you can listen to KKVV Christian Talk Radio anytime via your cell phone. Please dial 605-313-0630. Again, that number is 605-313-0630. That number only works in the United States. Also, we are audio and video streamed in real time during our live broadcast at www.kkvv.com and our website www.savethelostlv.org If you would like to re-listen to a previous broadcast at no charge, make an online secure donation, or learn more about our ministry, please visit our website at www.savethelostlv.org If you prefer, you can mail in a donation. Address it to Save the Lost at All Cost, Inc., P.O. Box number 3358-52, North Las Vegas, 89033. Again, our P.O. Box number is 
833-5852, North Las Vegas, 89033. All donations made to Save the Lost at All Costs, Inc. are 100% tax deductible. For more information, please feel free to call or text us at 702-219-6882. Again, 702-219-6882. We would like to thank you again. Remember to remain in Christ, stay prayed up, tune in, and don't forget to save the lost at all costs, no matter what.